Welcome to another episode of Commentary. This episode was recorded in 2007 for the Blu-ray release of National Treasure. Our guests today are director John Turtletaub and actor Justin Bartha. Other than featuring a few production stories and some anecdotes about history, this commentary is just for fun. It's clear that the director and actor have a working relationship that leans heavily towards just consistently making fun of each other, and your enjoyment of this commentary will depend on how much you connect with their sense of humor. Dry, witty, acerbic, and the characters they take on. Mr. Bartha as the kind of absurd, quick-witted server of one-liners, and Mr. Turtletaub as the straight man who hits them right back. This commentary was recorded after they shot the second movie, but before it was released, so the filmmakers spend some time comparing the films, I guess, since it was so fresh in their minds. For example, there's a great deal of back and forth about Justin Bartha's haircut. This is a 3 out of 5 on the listenable scale. It doesn't have to be heard with picture, you'll be able to follow along if you've seen the movie before, but there are some scenes where they reference a location or two as they're watching the film, so just be aware. If you're streaming the movie at home and you want to sync the commentary with picture, wait for this sound to press play. Here are John Turtletaub and Justin Bartha in 2007 for National Treasure. John Turtletaub. I'm the director of National Treasure, and I had the privilege and the rare opportunity of casting Justin Bartha, who's sitting with me. Justin? Hello. He's hot. Ladies love him. Men fear him. And he's going to be sitting with me talking about National Treasure with you. Is this scene? How hard was it to find this little boy? No, it's just, this Nick kid's name Cage. is Hunter Gomez, and if you watch the movie on TV, almost every <laughs> it time it's Nick Cage and Hunter Cage, Gomez. Hunter Gomez, right? John Boyd, Justin Bartha, Diane. Very insecure Kruger, about that. Not actually. listed. TV Guide, Hunter Gomez. There he is. That stool that he's standing on was de- designed by Benjamin Franklin. Did no, you know that you seriously. didn't have to comment on every single prop while we watched this movie? See, I just said before we started that <laughs> Justin was judgy, and I didn't want to uh, do this because he's judgy, and he's already started. Oh, my God, project. You can't say G-O-D. This is a Disney okay. How was it working DVD. with Christopher Plummer? Let's get back on track. Christopher Plummer is a real gentleman, and I think, as directors go, I was probably annoying. Is it true that you tried to get him to shave his mustache? As a matter of fact, that's not a real mustache. I we know. had to put on that mustache. That was my mustache you shaved and put on him. Well, if you count that as shaving. This young man, not that guy. <laughs> that guy was 12 years old. That's Hunter Gomez in the back of the carriage. Amazing makeup. Um, this was actually, a lot of this is what's called second unit, where another director gets the job of going out at night in the rain and shooting this while I'm at the Four Seasons in uh, London. I was always wondered why this stuff looks so good. 
Doing, see, not so judgy. He's so clean. He's way clean. Big problem. You know, this is uh, this is actually shot in front in Washington D.C. in front of the Daughters of the American Revolution uh, headquarters, the D.A.R. as they put it. But it looks like the the White House, so we shot it there. Who knew? I think one of the things that worked about this opening is that by telling the story, it really brought the audience into a story. That was one of the concepts the writers used. If we tell it like a story, I over the pyramid, I over pyramid. Mm. If we tell it like a story, it'll really bring uh, the sense of it being an old-fashioned movie in. Hmm. So y'all know Justin's sleeping already because he's not in this part. What? This also, second unit, Marcus Nispel is the name of the director who did this. An incredible director directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm. and an enormous number of commercials. Um, very talented. Well, most of this. I think I did this part. John, who thought of the idea for National Treasure? Is it true that it was you and Oren Aviv? What happened was... In a room Oren in Aviv, Budapest? Oren Aviv, the head of marketing for Disney, had a, a, part, a creative partner... They brought me an idea for a movie, uh, and we worked it all out, and it was about what if there was a secret map on the back of the Declaration of Independence, and we built that out to the fact that the signers were all Masons and all that. formed a new brotherhood called the Freemasons in honor of the builders of the Great Temple. War followed. By the time of the American Revolution, the treasure had been hidden again. By then, the Masons included George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Paul Revere. They knew they had to make sure the treasure would never fall into the hands of the British. So they devised a series of clues and maps to its location. Over time, the clues were lost or forgotten until only one remained, and that was the secret that Charles Carroll entrusted to young Thomas Gates. Charlotte. A secret lies with Charlotte. Who's Charlotte? Oh, not even Mr. Carroll knew that. Now look here, Ben. The Freemasons... In this scene, that's a dollar bill, and we had to actually find one from the 1960s when this scene sounds took like, place. This is what it sounds like when I walk out of the room. You know, one of the jobs of a director is to work with difficult actors and how do you, you know, manage them and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of not difficult actors, there's John Voight dressed as a young man. Wig. Oh, that he is awesome with costumes and oh wardrobe and special effects makeup. Always does a, he wears uh, suits to pat himself up. Look how thin and, and young he looks there. And, uh, uh, he wears fat suits. If you look at him in Ali as Cosell or you look at him as in Glory Road as Adolf Rupp, you'll just, it's pretty amazing what he, what he does. He's an amazing character actor. It sure is. Great, great contribution, Justin. Um, the, uh, this, this little section actually we reshot. We, uh, we wanted to add this uh, whole little bit with this whole attic scene was an afterthought, believe it or not. And uh, originally the scene was shot in a little living room and we said, you know what, not spooky enough, not exciting enough, let's make it more of an adventure, and we set it up in the attic. That is a byproduct of making a movie for Jerry Bruckheimer. Jerry Bruckheimer will not stop until a movie is as great as it can be, even if it means reshooting. Um, 
That's Jerry, by the way, bringing chips to Justin. Delicious. Thanks, Jerry. And, no, uh, seriously. No, he's amazing. He he uh, loves to bring food everywhere he goes. He, he, he loves knitting. He's got the scarf that Justin's wearing. How did you pick this title? Just the yellow block kind of letters. It stood out against the light blue of the snow in mm. the backgrounds. Brilliant. This, believe it or not, is actually exactly at the North Pole, right it, right at the top, and it was like a three-day trip to get there. It's either that or Utah, I never remember. Look at the little hula girl, the little hula girl on the, uh, remember made, her? Second movie, she's in that one too. She's in that one too. You ever purchased the uh, DVD, we'll tell, tell you all about that. Of course. Now, uh, we're not even talking lace, about the, the shoelace line. Okay, can we talk about this right here? This is Justin's first scene. This dialogue, we shoot what's called poor man's process. So rather than drive this giant tractor around, we actually park it in a parking lot, make it foggy out the window so you can't see, and just shake it. Justin is in this vehicle shooting, and he kept insisting he eat a sandwich during this scene. Do you remember that? I do not remember. <laughs> yes, that. you do. No. And he I and I'm the driver, like, I don't want you eating a sandwich. And then so we shoot, and then he goes, uh, I'm really hungry. I it's not for the scene. I just want a sandwich. And he thought I would bring him a sandwich, and then he'd stick it in the scene. You're gonna pretend you don't remember that either. I don't, but then Jerry brought me a sandwich because he's always bringing food, right? All the time. Anyway. True story. I don't remember that at all. See that? That is a $15,000 metal. Oh, no, it's not. It's actually some sound equipment that we made on the set at the time. They didn't know we wanted metal detectors, and the prop guys made it at the last second. Well, I'm no expert, but it could be that the hydrothermic properties of this region produce hurricane-force ice storms that cause the ocean to freeze and then melt and then refreeze, resulting in a semi-solid migrating land mass that would land a ship right around here. <laughs> God, he's good. Now, that scene was actually cut out uh, of the first version of the movie. I'm and so good. After Jesus we tested the movie, Christ. Justin's character tested so huge, we went back to find everything we could, mm. and we added that scene back. See that? Little known fact? Right there, those are my hands. Isn't that true? That's John Turtletaub doing that shot right there. And it's in Jerry's backyard, right? This whole thing yep. takes place? Yep. In Kentucky. All these hands. It's me. It's not Nick that's making the scene work at all. It's me. Wait till you see the thing I do with the water bottle here. You're gonna love this. That's my body. Hello. It was, look, you look very svelte. Your pick up. See that? And squirt water on ice, you get the word Charlotte every time. Anytime you squirt water on ice, the word Charlotte will appear, kids. It's something you can try, especially those of you who live in uh, cold climates. You know, a lot of people said to me after they watched the movie, they're like, you know, in the middle of this frozen tundra, you've, you, the first uh, place you try to dig, you find the bell that says Charlotte. I don't think that's realistic. And you know what I said to them? Get a life. Nicely put. Yeah. If you had a metal detector and you were looking for a wooden ship, only the metal will appear, correct? See? What would be metal on All a wooden ship? Out. It exactly. would be the bell. The That's why I mean they the find bell. the bell. Anchor would be too low. You're right, it would be This is all sunk. thought out, and I heard that comment, too. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we got criticized of, for online. You know, what we, you know what we say? It's a movie. Enjoy yourself. And if you don't want to enjoy yourself, watch the movie anyway, because more residuals for me. Correct. See this? Do you see this, Justin? Mm -hmm. You're in this. Mm. You that's, are. That's why it's so compelling. Um, 
This is what's known as an absolutely extraordinary set, built not uh, in snow. This is actually built into a fish, frozen fish warehouse in the city of Commerce in Los Angeles. The set was refrigerated to minus two degrees and everything in there is just built to look frozen and it's all fake. It's right across from the casino. It is. Another piece of the movie that was cut out that was put back after we tested it because everyone loved Justin so much. Now, why did you cut it out in the first place where you just didn't believe in my performance? No, I, 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 I wanted... It had nothing to do with you. There's a lot cut out here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get the movie started quicker. I always feel movies are too slow in the beginning and I always want to get mm-hmm. to the... Uh, you know, just get to the story as fast as possible. Jerry was the one who said, give it more explanation at the beginning. No one should be confused. Don't worry, they'll give you a little time at the beginning. Mm. I think this uh, contributed a lot. The the cinematographer, Kayla Deschanel, did an amazing job also contributing to making this look cold. It's not just the set and the special effects guys who put in all of these icicles made of mostly of wax. Um, like when they... Chip the door open. Oh, you hated this, didn't you? Well, I don't... The ADR just sounds a little bit... You know, it's just... You know... This was the original cast of Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. Um, And these guys uh, were not uh, able to gut with the program, and so they were all left to die. And so we used them in this frozen scene. Look at Sean Bean. Love Sean Bean. How great was Sean Bean? Sometimes... <clears throat> when Sean, you know, but a lot of actors, when they're waiting to do their shots, they kind of hang out and they talk or they go back to their trailer. Sean Bean would sit on the set and whittle wood. That's true. He would <laughs> whittle little figures out of wood. And you try to talk to him and he would just say, I'm whittling. Right. That was you, by the way. I talked to him a ton. Well, I mean, he wouldn't like me very much. Mm. Method acting. Now, the key to shooting on this set, and the reason I insisted, this was probably one of those indulgent director things, but if you watch these actors, you'll see, the, uh, you'll see their breath. And see that? And, and their noses are a little red, and their eyes are a little red, and they're breathing a little quicker. You can't fake that stuff, and you would just feel that this was a fake set if we didn't really shoot it in somewhere really cold. Look at that breath. Million dollar pipe? No, it's a clue. Let me see that. No, wait, don't break it. We are one step here's another moment. Nick was so dreading this. One of the things he kept talking about was the gobbledygook, that he has, in these movies, speech after speech, a very specific, fake, very specific, detailed historical speeches. And he constantly had to just rattle these things off. And he was so worried they wouldn't sound believable. But he just pulled it off. He's just uh, so great at making things sound real and not, uh, you know, like too bookish. How excited were you to work with with Nicholas Kaja, your high school classmate? I was worried. I was nervous to work with Nick, honestly. I, I didn't... he's so great because he's so handsome. Um, handsome. It was, you know, I've known Nick since I was 16, 17, mm. and... We were friends in high school, but then he went off and became a huge movie star, and I kind of remained uh, a loser. Oh, God. False modesty, so, big Hollywood director. Okay, but I remained a loser. I was... That's true. You know, college and 20-something years old, and he was making millions. So I always felt 
scared of him. And then when we worked together, he was a big movie star. And even as a director, you're afraid of movie stars. Cause Are you really? Yeah. Were you afraid of me at all? No. Hmm. I said movie stars, not movie actors. Hmm. Um, the stars bring with them this incredible aura, and they're famous and right. all that kind of stuff. But here he is again, just racing through this dialogue in such a genuine way that uh, I really feel like he's one of the few people who can pull it off. Keys. It's a map, an invisible map. So now... Wait a minute. What do you mean invisible? An invisible map? The stain affected could refer to a dye or a reagent used to bring about a certain See, result. This is stuff actors can't just draw on their own personal senses to remember a dye or a reagent used to bring about a specific result. You just got to memorize it. Speak for yourself. Hmm. That's why he became a director. True. Prison. Albuquerque. See, I can do it too. Snorkel. That was probably your first huge laugh in the movie. It's not going to get much on a home DVD. But in the theater, they were loving you as of Snorkel. Um, why wouldn't it get much on DVD? Because most people aren't really paying attention hmm. at home. I'll tell you, I will laugh at that line. My mom. Really? Because mm. it's a prison. Wait a minute, iron pen. The iron does not describe the ink in the pen. It describes what was penned. It was iron. It was firm. It was mineral. No, 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 wait, no, 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 It was... The other thing I think that helped us is with all of this historical stuff, which a lot of people said, oh, how can you make all this stuff up? We didn't make it up. Everything he's saying here is true. Um, and this is where one of the big problems came up because the riddle says 55 in iron pen, 55 people who signed the Declaration of Independence. You go on the internet, they're all criticizing us because 56 people signed the Declaration of Independence, but they're wrong. 55 signed it. The 56 person to sign it didn't sign it until 1781 from the guy from Delaware. Way later, when this clue was made, there were only 55 signers, and that's why we went with 55. Take that, internet nitpickers. That's clever, really. A document of that importance would ensure the map's survival. I actually got dorkier after listening to that. Nine for sure. David Fisher. You want to talk about David Fisher? Let's talk about him. Gosh, God this guy. Him. We love him. David Fisher plays Shaw. David, uh, aside from being really talented and bald, is intense and uh, really funny and just such a terrific actor and managed to play this tough guy and get probably the biggest laugh in this whole scene when he talks about prison. Sorry, Justin, second biggest laugh in the whole... Why you got such attitude, dude? I mean, just eating a quesadilla right Exactly. Now. Angrily eating a quesadilla. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> this is what's known as a push-in. As a director, when you push in on the actor, it makes it seem like they're acting better. ...the respected historical community treat you and your family with mockery and contempt. You should be able to rub this treasure in their arrogant faces, and I want you to have the chance to do that. Oh. We all have our areas of expertise. You don't think mine are limited to writing checks, do you? Another life. I arranged a number of operations of questionable legality. I take his word for it if I were you. Please I chew louder. You are really annoying. They turned down the microphone, man. They, they will now. now. This is John Turtletub with Mr. Selfish. 
I'd really need your help here. I'm, I apologize to the viewing audience for the guy that, that rambles on. I'm uptight. I'm uptight. Why are you uptight? You just had a baby. Enjoy life a little. I mean, I just dated this commentary. See, that that's what's known as a gun. The date on the DVD box also dates the commentary. There's that. The, uh, this is a bit of an issue. You know, when we set out to make the movie, one of the things we wanted to do is give the character Ben Gates a very unique set of characteristics. And one that was very important to me was that he never carry a gun. Um, I think it would be nice to make more movies where the heroes don't always have guns, even though they're cool. But uh, the point was, what is he going to do? But that just leaves him, it's tough. Writing-wise, it's tough when you don't have a gun to get out of something. So you made sure he always carried flares. Always had flares and furry hat. Mm. If you have a furry hat, you don't need a gun. Mm. That's just a rule. See? Doesn't was, need a gun. That was great line reading. Most of Justin's stuff is so brilliantly timed. Um, he just has a natural comic sense. I don't mind saying it while I'm sitting next to him. Um, I could leave the room. You could, but no, I'll say it. And your natural comic timing, which you obviously get all the credit for, is really a function of editing, isn't it? Mm. I knew that was going to go into insult somewhere. That's real gunpowder. I never worked with real gunpowder. And you know what? This stuff really explodes quickly and is very dangerous. They still make it. I don't know if it's as easy to get. That's a tense look right there. Sean Bean, Nick Cage, two actors at the top of their game looking at each other. Where are you? Uh, I think I'm an extra. There, there I am. Hiding on the floor. Justin, this movie would have been nothing without you. I'm not kidding. And because of how sincere you were before we, you said that comment, I'm sure the audience listening is really going to believe you. I'm not going to talk anymore. No, please don't. No, forget oh, it. that's me on fire. Did you see that? Do you remember that? I actually caught on fire in that scene, and you cheered when I caught on fire. Look how animated you got when something happened with you. Mm. God, it never stops with you. One of these barrels used to fly through the set, and there'd be a barrel that shot through, and then we just got rid of it because it looked really fake. How scary was this? Were you there when we blew this I up? I was, I was, I was. I there were only two drinking. people who did not watch this getting blown up, and it was me and the cinematographer. You were there. I was. I was there, but I was watching all the monitors, so I was watching what we were filming. Uh -huh. Okay, let's go before someone sees the smoke. So he says someone sees the smoke, but it sounds like he said someone sees us smoke. And then Disney said, they weren't smoking, you have to change it, because people shouldn't smoke. And I said, he didn't say a smoke, he said the smoke. And that was the end of that conversation, I tell you. Hmm. Hmm. A little smile. I, I gotta say, John, Remember this, the scene that's out this of the movie? scene right here was maybe one of my favorite days of the entire shoot. It was like a six-month shoot or something. Yep. And uh, it was just Nick and I. It was one of the last days. <clears throat> Let me talk. It was just Nick and I Sorry. and you behind the camera and some crew members. Who cares about them? But we, uh, after this, we walked and we just kept walking and you kept shooting. And it was so beautiful in the middle of Utah. There was nothing around. There was a whole scene really of nice dialogue of these guys. And you guys just kept going through this huge open field. 
about but we didn't really talk. Snow. Yeah, exactly. But we just kept walking. Right. And it was just me and Nick Cage. I in cut the it out. The frozen tundra. And it was a really nice moment for me. Yeah. I don't know. Nick doesn't describe it that way. No, I'm sure he doesn't. He just said he kept walking and you kept following, so he kept walking quicker and you kept following. Mm. That's that's what I heard. I you think so much of me. Look how pretty Washington D.C. is, gang. I just can't take my eyes off myself. But anyone that can do anything is going to think we're Is that crazy. a goatee or sort of a goatee? It's kind of a... It was a character choice. I thought that he really can't grow a whole goatee. And he just kind of... Go, I actually get my, my mustache colored. That's true. But look how... Because I, I grow blonde hair. As you're watching this DVD, you may want to just check out the length and the darkness of the goatee from scene to scene. Because it changes a little bit. It changes a little, but it's, it's hard. Not Over my five fault. months of shooting, it's hard to keep these things mm. consistent. The way it goes. But look how cool you look there. Mm, Your hair's very different in the second movie. Yeah, well, it's a character choice. Look how straightened down it is here. Well, you know, that's how it works. Mm. He changed a lot in a few years. True. I act through my hair. True. That's one of the reasons I cast you. Paul Brown. Nice to meet you. Bill. Nice to meet you, Bill. How may I help you? Well, your accent. Pennsylvania Dutch? Saxony German. Oh. <laughs> You're not American? Oh, I am an American. I just was born here. Please don't talk touch about that. Diane Kruger. How'd you come how'd you come upon her? Diane Kruger came into audition. Mm -hmm. Uh and Oddly enough, the women in the room all, as soon as she left, went, oh, Lord, that's the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Mm. And uh, I was like, yeah, 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 I know, I know. But is she funny and is she strong and can she, you know, act this part? She was already coming out in Troy, so we knew she'd be, uh, you know, a, a bit talked about, a little more famous. <clears throat> and we brought her in for a screen test with Nick. When Diane read this scene that you're seeing and not hearing right now because we're talking, but this was the audition scene. And when she auditioned, Nick felt uh, the sense of Diane being really strong and an obstacle, and he felt a little off his game. And that was the chemistry we were looking for, someone who, who would be able to stand up and hold their own against a big movie star. And uh, she really had that poise and that carriage. It's a word you don't hear a lot, carriage. Uh, cartograph. A map. Yes, ma'am. A map of what? The location of... <clears throat> of oh, my hair looks so good in this Hidden scene. items. That's not you, that's Nick, dude. My bad. Historic and intrinsic value. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. A treasure map? That's where we mm. lost the FBI. You look like Ethan Hawke. Mm. Don't get... you think you look like Ethan Hawke? Let me ask. No. No, you do. I think you look a little bit... Uh, Ethan Hawke's very Ethan handsome. Ha Ethan Hawke from Reality Bites or Ethan mm -hmm. Hawke from Chelsea Walls? From Robin Hood. That was Carrie Elwes, wasn't it? A good friend of Nick Cage. Often Carrie Elwes. See how it all comes back? Yeah, Ethan Hawke from Training Day. But a little bit different. Um, have you ever dated anyone that Ethan Hawke has dated? Okay. Um, and that's where we lost the Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> that's that's so, a mouthful to God, say. God, that's so funny. That's so good. Does this look like a set to you or a real location? It's a set. Is it? I think it looks great. 
That's weird. I'm gonna point those things out. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. You know, that was my joke. That was my one contribution to the movie. Oh, and everything else except for the writing and the producing and some of the directing and the acting. If it's any consolation, you had me convinced. Talk about this scene. Just talk about it, man. Keep talking. You're looking at the rotunda of the National Archives in Washington, D.C. Are we, though? Or are we actually looking at it? Well, you're actually looking at a set on Unbelievable. stage two. This entire thing is a set How built did you stage do two that? Disney. It's not me. It's people who are actually talented and mm. do the work and research it. But we actually shot in the at the real National Archives. Uh, outside it. Outside they wouldn't let us it. in because they were afraid we'd, like, knock a light over and burn up the Declaration of Independence. And this is an exact replica of the National. I mean, it is Yeah, look it where you're looking, though, where Nick's looking. Different places, dude. You were looking in the wrong spot. Why would I be looking in the wrong spot and not Nick? I think you just answered Nick never does question. anything wrong. Rarely. Mm. Nick, Nick's... Perfect. I get it. No, I've see, heard look, it every day for the last again. three years. No, Nick's just awesome, and you're the new guy. You're supposed to look where the star looks. Unbelievable. I will never stop. Look at that, John Hank. The actual Declaration of Independence is even harder to read than this. It's even more faded. <clears throat> what? I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. It's... Those giant murals are in the archives, and we had to redo every one of them and repaint them. Very talented people. Do you think my hair looks better in the second movie or the first movie? I think your hair looks better in the second movie for the 2008s, but better in the first movie for the DVD. It was such an honor to actually get to shoot at these real locations. I mean, it was so beautiful. We'll destroy the Declaration. The fact is, the only way to protect the Declaration is to steal it. It's upside down. I don't think there's a choice. Ben, for God's sakes, it's like See stealing that? a national monument. This scene, I remember after we, after we shot it, you said it was bad. And I thought it was bad. And guess what? It turned out mediocre. <laughs> Let me prove it to you. Yeah, but... I was mo okay. Is this the best looking? Why don't we, we don't have to build? talk through the whole thing. So let's let's listen. This to is it the commentary. If they want to watch the movie, they'll watch the movie. Let's just listen. <laughs> That's really helpful. Do you know where this? Tell them where this is. That is in the Library of Congress, the actual library. That's where all the congressmen. Has go anyone and get ever shot there before? The only couple of things that have been there, all the president's men shot in there. Well, I mean, any good movies. Oh, National Treasure, Book of Secrets. In the sequel, we go back there. Incredible reading room. This, honestly, this is probably the most beautiful building in the United States. It is surrounded by guards and video monitors. See this cool stuff? By the time you watch this DVD, in, if you look at four years from now, this is going to look really cheesy and fake. But when we did it, like, three, when the movie first came out, like, four years ago, we thought it was so cool and high-techy. But by now, it's probably lame-looking. I think it's pretty cool and high-techy. Concrete that. steel plates mold. Sounds four. That happens to Computer be generated with a electronic combination Goatee. lock and biometric denial systems. You know, Thomas Edison tried. This was a great day. Mm. Just being in there, we had to shoot it really quickly. Try not to set fire to all of the books in the Library of Congress. Uh, that would have been bad. 
Did you date anybody while making this movie? Um, I did. I dated, uh, I dated, I think I had a, a girlfriend. I don't think you did. Do you know what the preservation room is for? No. You were single when you were making this, and towards the end you started dating it, but I don't think Do you... we have to talk about that? No, I, mean, I, I want to talk about this. Why, were you dating? Were you dating? Were you dating anyone? I was. I was going out with somebody, and, and, and at what this happened? time, and we ended up breaking up. Because and, uh, of the movie, right? No, Because no, no. it's so hard to work in this industry. No, that doesn't help. And I have, have a relationship. Say, no, I was... Uh, we broke up because I was just kind of a loser. She did great. She's now married and has a kid and is doing great. I'm sure the eight-year-old's watching this TV to come to really want to hear about that. Why'd you ask, then? You asked. You were... I can't. I can't get... Not true. I can't get brought into this. Not true. Preservation. <sighs> this is what's known what we call the prep montage. In the script, this was probably 90 pages long, and we cut it all together into just a quick series of scenes. This was the very first shot of the movie, right there. How did there. we find my bag? That? Yeah. How did, how did we find my van, I mean? Where did we find that van? I was shown a list of possible vans, tried to make it look like a van that a high-tech guy might use for all this high-tech stuff. And uh, you were not consulted, were you? I don't think so, actually. What would you have rather driven? Okay. Um, what I, what I, were you going to give me a choice? No, just a van. I mean, we had to have a scene. We had to, the scenes were written for a van. Later on, we'll see everyone's in the back seat. So we needed something that was big enough where everybody I love the van. Be. Worked out good. Look at that. That's, that's, uh, this is all stuff. Whenever you make a movie with uh, Bruckheimer, he makes sure that you do things as realistically as possible. And I know some people go, oh, those movies aren't so real, but there's so much research gone in and we consulted with uh, security experts on how they would actually break in. And the first thing they said is you gotta get control of the cameras. And they talked about pipes and they got all the plans to the National Archives and where the pipes go and the electric lines under the subway and how you'd access. Everything is based on what you'd really do. These silence do good, foreshadowing. Nobody notices that, but if you go back, look at that folder, it says silence do good. That doesn't come up for another, I don't know, 20 minutes in the movie, half an hour, but it's there. Did you notice what it said on that sign right there? Where he's taking pictures, there's a statue and it says under it, what is past is prologue. In other words, history is simply telling us what is yet to come. Mm. That's the theme of the movie. That's outside the archives. It is. I th totally thought it was like a cheerleading thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Froggy. You know why I'm doing the talking, I realized? Because I'm not? Because you know nothing about this movie. What is that? What? <laughs> you were in your scenes you were in, and you don't really care about, like, others. Like, look how hard Nick had to do this and figure out how to make <laughs> smiley faces and glow ink. Constantly berating me with insults. It's like, well, I, I, there's no appreciation happy of my face. talent at all. Do you care all. about the happy face? Why would I care about the happy face? I'm not in this scene. <laughs> who cares about the happy face? Is that foreshadowing to when I smile later? I mean, who cares? <laughs> People don't care. They care about Diane Kruger looking hot. I think both these ladies are attractive. They're both beautiful. What's wrong with you? A lot of things, says my therapist. Mm. Hmm. Look how easily Diane opens this box of jewelry. Like As she's if opened she's millions in her life. Guess what? She has. Mm. 
Look at that. That's probably the least expensive thing anyone's ever gotten her. Wouldn't you? This, she's lovely. She's nice. She's smart. She's talented. Why? What? What's the problem there? Um, because I'm not, <laughs> and she has no interest in me whatsoever. Laser gun. How cool is that? That old lady, it was great. I actually shot her with the laser at one point. When you set her on fire. When you set her on fire. It was amazing to see that old lady running through the National Archives on fire. Oh, that's not true. This guy is great. Tell me about this actor. He's so terrific. And it's not a case where you take a small part and you turn it into something memorable and funny hmm. and little things like that. I know. What was he doing there? He was uh, looking for her password. Mm. First day of shooting. Van in front of National Archives. That's uh, actually a little, a little nice little tidbit is I did in scenes always want to be chewing bazooka bubble gum and you discouraged me. I did. Constantly. I didn't want you to get any bubbles stuck in your fake goatee. Mm -hmm. That's not. Mm -hmm. That's the Watergate Hotel. A lot of th crazy things have happened there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a scene we shot later that we added, just to remind the audience. Sean Bean had been not in the movie for so long. It was really something we an oversight in the script. So we realized we need a little reminder to just put him in to know that the bad guys are coming. Are working on something. This is the National Archives. <clears throat> this is the actual archives where we pretended there was a big gala event and they let us uh, decorate it and do all that stuff. And uh, boy, it really makes you respect the movie you're making when you go to the locations rather than fake them. Are you sure that we should do that? That sums up my relationship with Nick right there. <laughs> he's just such a great straight man for you. And then as a result, and he's really funny in his own right. Nick is hilariously funny. Probably one of the funniest guys I know. Yeah. And it's just, he plays such a variety of parts. This is in the lobby of a building in Los Angeles. Did you know that? Who, me? Yeah. Um, you were there? Yes. Correct. Um, this is uh, back in Washington, D.C. And coming up is the, I think, your least favorite line in the movie. Well... Let's let's let them guess for themselves and not give it is. away. All right, if you want, you they can... They probably can't hear it anyway because you we're talk talking. so much. Okay, we'll be quiet. How do you look? Not bad. Mazel tov. This is it. That right there is a soundstage in Disney. We lifted the truck up onto a uh, a tower inside a set so it would be high enough for them to walk out the bottom of. Built this set. This is all just a set. This is a set somewhere else at Disney. And uh, this massive room I'll is tell you, the, built. The crew that built these sets really are, are quite amazing. Yep. For you. And then you look at how gorgeous Diane is in that dress. That's because... There's a designer, Judiana Makovsky, who designs the dress. You don't just go and buy that in the store. You design and build the costumes specifically for the actors, the tuxedo, the dress, the jewelry, all of it. And that's not champagne, kids. That's sparkling apple juice. I really want it. Every party at the National Archives has sparkling apple juice. I'm wondering, though, 
what the engraving indicates. This is one of the fakest things in the movie because at the actual National Archives, you're not allowed to drink or eat near the most valuable documents in America. So it was one of the reasons we had to shoot on a on our own set. Take that. So you can take that off mm, your special shot. That. Pay attention to the glass. That. Love that. Very nice. You know who has those earrings now? Me? No. Guess again. You. No. Your wife? No. Barbara Bush? Correct. No, those earrings. Diane Kruger has those. Of course. She I, stole them. Oh, I bought them for her as a little present. That's weird. I didn't get a present. Yes, you did. Oh, yeah, I did. You got earrings. In order to do what they knew was right. What they knew was right. Nick had so much fun this night shooting this scene. Nick will ad-lib a lot. He'll never throw away his script, but he'll always add a lot and change a lot and play a lot. And it's why you get sort of an unpredictable melange from him. And that's... Does I he ad-lib a secret. lot? Yeah. I always, I always get the... <clears throat> he always changes his in intention rehearsal. quite a bit. Right, but it's in rehearsal. He'll throw stuff out and try something a whole new wacky way, right? Yeah. He definitely uh, tries each take wildly different, and, it, and it's really a lot of fun. How'd you do this? This looks dangerous. Special effects guys make things blow up. Did you actually try? Is this actually, does this actually work? This will work. This better work. How's it look? See that smoke? That actually will happen, and the smoke will stick to the glass and show the fingerprints. But you need the special chemical, which we're not going to tell you what it is. Because it's dangerous, so don't try it. Unless you're over 18 and a chemist. That's my friend Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's getting tasered. Uh, you're so good to your friends. You he's know, still twitching. He's been tasered. You know how much that hurts? I do. Actually. But for some reason, he fainted when tasered, which isn't really what happens. <laughs> His character... The guard's name is Nigel Ferguson. We gave him the name Nigel because we're big Spinal Tap fans, so we called him Nigel. Did you know that? I did. Hmm. I knew his name was Nigel Ferguson. Fantastic. I didn't at all, actually. I was lying. Okay. I'm gonna turn off this do you remember shooting this stuff in the van? I absolutely do not. I have a very bad memory. I don't really remember what I had for breakfast. Well, you're the perfect choice for DVD commentary, then. Ben Gates? Well, you tried to get every other actor in the movie, and they said, no, that's why I'm here. Not true. Hunter Gomez was ready to step in. Right, well, Hunter is a little expensive for this. I did it Nick for these hated this, because he had to wear these gloves, and he said he felt like Mickey Mouse throughout the whole thing. Did not like wearing those gloves. This is where I find Justin to be hilarious. 
Let's listen. No one laughs. Listen, just listen. Top results. A glove fry, a very golf, Fargo Levy, uh, Gravy Flow, Valley Frog. Also, uh, Ago Fly Rev, uh, Grove Fly, uh, R Fly Gov, Era Fly Gov, Elf Gov Ray. It's Valley Forge. <laughs> See, no one else Valley laughs, but he's just making up words here. That sounds funny, and I don't know why. video. I lost my feed. What? I lost now, my This feed is what's known as a preservation room. We would never have known about this had we not taken a tour of the National Archives. They told us they bring documents into a special secure room to work on them. And they said to us, and that's where they're not in safes, and that's where they're not guarded. And that's how we came up with this whole idea, because they told us that's how they do it. Since that time, uh, they've completely redone the security system at the National Archives because it was ready for updating. It hadn't been updated since 1954, but also after September 11th, it was due. So from the time we researched this movie till the time the movie came out, they completely changed the whole system. So you don't try to steal the declaration. Look how clever he uses bulletproof glass to stop bullets from hitting him. That's why Ben Gates is such a great adventurer. That's that's not I where like he falls how, down. I, Did you notice he didn't fall down steps? Yeah. That's not the scene. That's not the scene. I love how Sean Bean rubs his hair when he when he says that line. Mm. He's a hair rubber. He's mm. a, he acts through his hair, too. That's what he does. All the best. All the best, too. It's amazing. What is, is, uh, what's interesting is that, you know, when you shoot those scenes, you know, when you're talking on a little earpiece, that no, you just kind of, no one's on the other line. You just have to pretend. That... That whole scene, every shot you see with Justin sitting in a van, talking, talking quote unquote to, to Nick, he's just talking to himself, or... Four years of acting school at NYU, and that's, what, that's what you get. Sometimes you have an actor off camera, you just get to read the lines, or it's the director. And often it's the director just shouting at him lines to say. Yeah. Not so good. Here's another thing that bugged us. Mm. This scene was in the movie, that the whole idea was they can trace him through his credit card. Right. So we have it, and then we, they were gonna just come up with like a fake credit card, like America card or something, fake. So we, we approach Visa and say, can we use Visa so it'll be more real? Sure. Then Visa says, well, we're doing it, let's do a tie-in. Then everyone says, oh, such commercialism. They just did it for the money to put Visa in. Not true. Why is everyone so mean? Well, they're jealous of you, John. I mean, you have a great You know life. who that is? That's my friend, John Travis. I love John Travis. You know what he did? He went to high school with me and Nick Cage. Mm. Yep, also an actor. This is Mike, sub-level three. I have an alert. Are any of your teachers in this movie? No, but my teacher, John Ingalls, is an actor on General Hospital. Mm, you love that show. He's Edward Quartermain Sr. 
sing on ABC. One of the Disney companies. Just saying. This is my favorite piece of music in the movie. Can I talk about the composer for a minute? Who did compose this music? Trevor Rabin. Mm. Probably one of the world's great uh, rock and roll guitarists. What band? Yes. Mm, I love Yes. Moved on to composing. Still plays a little bit with the band, but composing. When it got into movies, Jerry worked with him, suggested we use him on this movie. It was the first time I'd worked with him. Without question, just the most lovely, easygoing guy. And for a rock and roll guy to be so brilliant with orchestral music, which he grew up with. His father uh, and, and brother were uh, classical musicians, and I think his father was a conductor. The music he's done for this movie is extraordinary. And in this sequence, there's a lot of orchestral music, and then it goes into a much heavier guitar rock sound for the chase. And um, Trevor plays on it, uh, as well as composes it all, and he's just truly the best. And it's uh, I was thrilled when we did the sequel that he was available to do that movie as well. Did you enjoy the party? Is any of the music from this movie going to be in the sequel? Yeah, you take the themes from the first movie and you expand, redo them, expand upon expound. them, and take pieces, but then you write a whole bunch of new stuff. This was our first night of shooting. Did you know that? It was fun. Not so fun. Now, here's an interesting thing. Sean Bean was in Troy. Troy was still shooting at this time. But so Diane was in Troy, too. Troy was in Troy, but her shots were done. So Diane is in this scene. And in the front of the car, there's Sean Bean standing in the front. It's not Sean Bean. Who it's is it? It's a stand-in. What's his name? Hugh. See that? Watch the mirror. Watch the mirror, ready? There's Justin's face. Ready, watch this. Here it comes. It's Justin. Oh! Special effects. Justin's face. See, hear the guitars. Go! Go! Fantastic. That's action for you, kids. This movie really does have everything. It's funny. Mm -hmm. It's romantic. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. A little. Action-packed. Packed. It's funny. Has, it's dangerous. You know, action-packed. It's weird you said those three already. Because there's twice as much funny action and danger as in most movies. So what's interesting about this movie is more than any other movie that I've been involved with, and there's been at least six movies, uh, people come up and just say that it's their favorite movie. They love it. They love this movie. Do you think that's because it's just that kind of movie you love or because your other six movies just weren't very good? Uh, a little of both. Mm -hmm. A little of both. But I think it's just maybe attributed to your brilliant direction. Well, thank you. I would say uh, I have a different experience. Okay. What I get is people, people come up, come up to me and say, you directed National Treasure? That's one of my kids' favorite movies. Mm. Nobody tends to like my movies, but their kids love them. Well, I'll tell you what happens is children, they grow up, they become adults, and you know what they'll still love? National Treasure. Correct. Uh, looks dangerous, doesn't it? Cause it is. That's not just Diane. You also have a very brave stunt people getting out there doing the really, really dangerous stuff, but that's really Diane hanging out there. That's Nick hanging out there. And, that's me uh, driving. That's really you driving. No, it Thank wasn't. Thank you. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Oh. When Nick was hanging out there, we had a stunt guy driving. Oh, that's right. Gosh, you know how expensive it would have been if Nick got hurt? $20? You were expensive for you. That's you. See? But you weren't driving there. 
Mm, how do you know? We were pretending to drive when we towed the truck. Was I? This is what we need. In the window, that's David Fisher watching. Is he going to fall? That's my hand. That's my hand. Sometimes directors have to do these little insert shots. Because you do them, you know, after the show's done, after the actors go home, at special times. Does your hand ever get recognized? Sometimes. Hey, were you the hand? But in only National by Treasure? other hands. What? Are you all right? Still a little. Here's a little, here's a little improv by Nick coming up. Are you hungry? Did that already happen? Oh, she lost it. What just happened? They don't have it. See? Okay. Now, can you please stop shouting? Give me that. You're still shouting, and it's really starting to annoy. And you would do well, Doctor Chase be a bit more civilized in this instance. This is the real one. What did they get? A souvenir. They're coming up as one of his best ad-libs. Turned out I was right. Actually, I had to pay for the souvenir and the real ones, so... Not like that. Like, there's another one of those scenes where you shoot it sitting in a stage, just shaking the... I thought we were driving. Why do you always have to contradict me and make me look bad in front of kids? Oh, like you haven't made me look bad this entire time. I didn't make you look bad. You made you look bad. I just pointed it out. Why are we fighting? Because it's our dynamic. People want to hear it. Is it because we're afraid of how much we care? Mm -hmm. Well, put your shirt back on, and I'll tell you. Hmm. Are those real police officers? No, actors. Hmm. They're very realistic. Those are all real FBI Here's guys. Here's a reveal. Though. Oh, who is it? It's the more talented... Goatee. Harvey that was, Keitel. That was a backhand. I didn't say he's a better actor. I said he's a more talented more. goatee. Okay. Don't feel bad. It's all right. Harvey is a great actor. He's been nominated for Academy Awards. Has he? Mm -hmm. For what movie? I think for The Piano. And for uh, Taxi so. Driver. Don't think so. Well, if he wasn't, he should have been. That's true. He was brilliant. Extraordinary. If you guys are Harvey Keitel fans and haven't seen The Piano, go immediately. You have a name on the tipster? There was no file opened. We uh, didn't find the information credible. How about now? There is not a treasure map. On this the is Nick's ad lib, the shaking here. And there's no chance anyone can steal this either. Little things like that. He brings so much life and character to this stuff. And that's where, as a director, you can rely on that. And I think as an actor, it keeps you on your toes, too. I level with you 98%. Hmm. Wait a minute. Did you just say Gates? Where do we shoot this, Justin? On a street. Correct. <laughs> Where? In Los Wa Angeles. Correct, not Washington. On Ventura Boulevard. Insane. Who knew? If you watch carefully, Harvey, if you watch just to the left, very, my friend Tony Alda again. See, sitting on the gurney. That's Annie Paris as the FBI agent who... She's a good actress. Beautiful. Just does actress. a great job yeah. and takes... There are a lot of little small thankless roles in this movie where people have just really stepped up and added a lot to it, and it's a perfect example. Here's a little tidbit that I think everyone would like to know. Annie Paris and I used to have the same accountant. No. Mm. Did you both leave or just one of you? Well, I moved, so I needed a new one. Where, in Detroit or New York? Oh, New York. Hmm. Where'd you grow up, Justin? Detroit? I did grow up outside of Detroit, Michigan, wonderful town. Spent most of my life in New York, though. Hmm. 
What about you, John? Los Angeles, right? Just the opposite. Born in New York and then moved out to L.A. and spent most of my life out in Los Angeles. Maybe that's why we fight all the time. Mm, I think we fight because we are too similar. Right. By the way, do we fight? You're the one that said we fought. I'm just mad because you make the hoodie coming out of the sport jacket look so good. I know, but we, we eschewed that look for the second movie. Not completely. Really? Yeah, you have one little hoodie coming out the thing. Well, I, I tried to eschew it. Yeah. I, I get it. He's making fun of me because I said the word eschew in, a, in an interview. And I actually, that's not actually, I was, that was a natural use of the word See, eschew. See, so I'm not the only one who says eschew? Eschew means what? To deny, to put aside, to negate. Something like that. Why do you need them? She really can't shut her mouth, can she? I'll tell you what, look. I this scene was written about 12 hours before we shot it. Nobody in the movie knew we were shooting it. And in Washington, D.C., getting permits to shoot is not easy. So at the last second, we drove around Washington, found this spot where you could see the Jefferson Memorial across the Tidal Basin, and got permits, put up massive lights at the last second, and off we went. And it was a three-page scene, and everyone said, you'll never pull that off. And we did. You just missed Chad Omen, one of the producer's favorite lines in the movie, where I say, nudge. He kept on coming up to me and saying, can you say that faster, please, because you talk very slow. I just kept saying it slower because I like to get a rise out of him. Hmm. All right, here's a boring thing, directorial thing. I, the inspiration for me for this movie was Hitchcock. It was it was not Indiana Jones, though that's probably one of my favorite movies. A little Billy Wilder thrown. No, in, that's right? just that's just natural. Me. It just comes across. He's my hero, Billy Wilder. But uh, this is the idea was to get more Cary Grant, Grace Kelly into mm -hmm. this movie, and more like to catch a thief. Um, and shooting in those tuxedos and with those gorgeous monuments was really what we wanted to do to kind of bring out that cool 50s look. So uh, I was happy in that scene we could pull that off. I think you pulled it off in the whole movie. Thanks, dude. You know how much better Hitchcock's movies would have been if there was a funny sidekick like you? I don't really like the word sidekick. Yeah, you don't. Why is that? I really don't, I, I was just kidding. It was kind of a joke. I really don't mind it at all. Oh, why's that? Because I'm kind of a laid-back guy. Hmm. No stairs. <laughs> Gentlemen, why is this word capitalized? Because it's important. Because it's a name. Okay, I got it. When Ben Franklin was only 15 years old, he secretly wrote 14 letters to his brother's newspaper pretending to be a middle-aged widow named Silence Dugood. These letters were written by Benjamin Franklin. Looks okay. Park a couple blocks away. How long do you think we got? We're gonna give them a couple hours at least. I hope. What do we do about her? I've got some duct tape in the back. No, that won't be necessary. She won't be in any trouble. Promise you won't be in any trouble? I promise. See? She's curious. Where are we now? We're going to, uh... Hey, 
look, I have a question. I'm wondering if this DVD is going to be different. If you rent or buy the DVD that came out originally, when they go up to uh, Patrick's house, there's a subtitle on it that says Philadelphia. Mm. It's not Philadelphia. That's supposed to go over the establishing shot of Philadelphia, which I'll point out later. But on the DVD, they say that this is it. They totally messed up, and it really makes me mad. Hmm. Here it comes. Dad. Isn't I think this was John and Nick's first scene together, yeah. wasn't it? Isn't it true that uh, when casting Nick Kaj's father? that he said, just get me the greatest actor in the world. He did. He said... And I said I was too young to play the father, so you cast John Voight. Correct. He did. He just said, get somebody, get, like, one of the great actors in the world. And he said the same thing for the second movie, get get me the greatest actress to play my mother. And we did. Have a seat. Make yourselves comfortable. There's some pizza. Still warm, I think. Dad... I need the silence do good letters. Silence do good. Remember the yeah, foreshadowing? The mm-hmm. And he dragged you two into this nonsense? Literally. I volunteered. Well, Coming up is one of your biggest laughs in the movie. Pizza joke and then the glove hand. joke. Sure, sure, I know. Both I'm improv, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say improv so much as... Uh, written for me. We figured it out together on the yeah. set. You'll hear often in interviews, people go, oh, we made that up on the set. Oh, we're so funny. Uh, that's because that makes for good conversation. The truth is, that always accounts for 1% of what's good in a movie. The other 99% is really hard, exhausting work the writers do to make all of this make sense, fit together an entire plot, one or two lines of dialogue that get a laugh. That's easy compared to what they do. And, and you know, the writers got to get... Uh, all, you know, all 104 of them uh, worked on this movie. It was a lot to just get this put together. Uh, it, it's a complicated mystery, and when you're making up a, uh, you know, complete, it's it's really a, a mystery that's historically based. So you got to do the research, and you got to make it believable. And they did just a re- just a remarkable job. Right. Not to make mention sure they're right. Make sure the writers get credit, but the actors don't. That's the story of an actor's life. No credit. That's true. That's the problem. The actors always say that they make up stuff, but they don't. They're idiots. I do it in the editing room, and the writers do it. From my point of view, the actors did a lot in this movie, and they're wonderful, talented people. They are. I think the writers are brilliant, too, but it was a perfect mesh of talent from the writers to the actors to the directors to the gaffers. Okay, but my question is, why did you intentionally leave Jerry Bruckheimer off that list? Are you guys... Do you have issues? Because he's in front of me giving me tortilla chips. I don't want to say it in front of him. Mm. We can find out right now. Jerry is the mastermind. You would always get mad when I said, Jerry, and Jerry cast me in this movie. You'd always be like, I cast you in this movie. Well, Jerry was the one who had a flight to New York to meet you. I had a flight to New York to well, meet you. Well, I don't leave New York. I used to not leave New York, and I made you fly to see me. It was horrible. And then uh, what happened on the flight back? We flew together. Well, no, we didn't. Oh, that's right. I flew business class, and you flew first class. But Correct. I flew. But the reason I flew business class is they got me a first class ticket. I downgraded and donated the money to a charity. Very <laughs> old. You said no. I'm not flying back there with the common folk. 
<laughs> Give me more oh, champagne, Lord. darling. We did have a laugh in this movie because that is a true story. They flew me first class, and as those I was gloves there, were my idea, by the way, um, not the writer. The uh, Justin got on the plane to fly back from New York to L.A., and he had to walk back to the back of the plane and leave me in first class. I was like, oh, the little actor who doesn't have the part yet. He didn't have the job. And then as we were finishing the sequel, which we finished in August of 2007, we were flying back from London, and we were both sitting in first class, and it showed... Next to each other. ...that our friendship and Justin's and my success had peaked, I guess. That was the end of that. <laughs> All done. This is true, by the way. Everyone gave us our time about this. This lemon stuff works. If you put lemon and heat on this invisible ink, it really brings it out. Gosh. Who gave you guff about that? Every gosh, go online. He doesn't believe it. We need to we need to unhook your your internet connection because I you're getting issues. a little high blood pressure listening yeah, to the message boards. People work very hard on movies only to have them attacked and criticized. That is true. People do not uh Nobody ever sets out to make a bad movie or a movie just to make money. You always try to make as great and creative and clever and entertaining a movie as possible. And, yeah, it's, it's, of course, it is fun to criticize and all that stuff. But the, the cynicism just doesn't exist. People, including the studio executives who you think, oh, they're just in it for the money. No, they want to make movies they think people are going to like and that they're proud of. Every time. Every time. True. You criticize every movie that you're on. That's not true. <laughs> Bearable. <laughs> Why do people keep telling me I'm a bearable? <laughs> They're just kidding. Oh, okay. I guess I won't change then. <laughs> do you think success has changed you? Mm, yeah, absolutely. In, ha- in what way? Um... I'm a lot meaner to poor people, <laughs> and what else? I, I, I dip a lot of things in gold. Very true. Oh, Lord. It's like, look at this. I just bought this. I'm going to dip it in gold just because I can. <laughs> oh, Lord. You know, it's just by sheer... John Voight joined the movie late. We had started shooting, and we hadn't cast the role yet for Nick's dad. He came down to where we were shooting. We had a conversation, and he came down out of respect to Jerry, who he'd done a few movies with, to tell us he couldn't do the movie. He wasn't available. Really? We sat. We talked about the movie. He started telling us what he would have done had he done the part. We were so moved. He could see how moved we were. It was so terrific. He finally figured out, oh, I got to do it. And he just did it. And it was it was just such a gift that he gave to all of us. No one knew what was on the back. The back of what? No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Here's Justin's best moment. What have you done? This is this is I know This is the Declaration of Independence. Yes. Coming up. And it's very delicate. You stole it. Dad, I can explain, but I You know what's interesting about that moment uh, and why you probably think it's the best moment is because you thought of it. (laughs) You told me, do that, and I did it. But you got it, and you didn't say, no, that's dumb. My character would never do that. You know what? 
I didn't, and, and I was kidding. You did not think of it. The writers painstakingly thought of that moment and all sat in a room and wrote about it. You know what? They're going to go on strike just for you. We're going on strike anyway. FBI. They, they are, uh, at the time of this recording, the Writers Guild is currently on strike. And by the time this DVD comes out, they will, there will be total chaos in Hollywood. This may actually be the last DVD right. ever made. Well, wouldn't I have told you if I did? Not true. Would you? Dated, not on the DVD. Um, Harvey Keitel and John Voight in a scene together for the first time. It's pretty impressive that you made a movie. I mean, these are really Again, I give credit there actors. to Jerry Bruckheimer, who always insisted on just populating his films with the best actors he can find. He doesn't believe there's such a thing as an action movie actor right. or a comedy movie actor. There's just good actors. And he goes and gets them, and he likes artists. And that's why you have John Voight and Harvey and you, right. and uh, uh, Nick certainly defines that. That's why it works so well. This car smells weird. Okay, you're about to see a little sign that says, Philadelphia, PA. Mm. That's where it belongs. If you rent one of the, or buy one of the early DVDs, they put that sign, Philadelphia, PA, over John Voight's house, which basically, in essence, is a mistake that messes up the movie. How much do you love this kid? Love him. Oh, really? What's his name? No, I won't do that to you. How much do you love this kid? I love him. Eve Michelle Banesh is, uh, just the most awesome kid. We can't. We cast him in Philadelphia. Um, just funny. We just wanted a kid in a school uniform. Great. Ran and ran and ran all day long. Moved through here. Had to go up and down stairs, and was just funny. And got it, and was sweet and easy to deal with. Sorry, sir. Excuse me. Okay. This kid is phenomenal. Most directors will tell you it's great working with kids. Definitely when I felt the most in the moment when I worked with him. Because <laughs> there was no messing around, too. Mm -hmm. He's totally playing the scene and he's real. He's a real, he's a real, real person. No, N. That is an N. Doesn't right look there. like an N. And you know what, that as a directorially, I'll say, you. you this is these are the little holes when you don't have a big star you're just looking for someone to do one day all of that has to work or your movie just suffers and the difference really between the really great big budget movies and the really bad ones or really bad low budget movies is when they don't pay attention to casting you had a great casting director on this who, who was it on this one is avi kaufman avi kaufman is great an amazing job and does, you know, same as casting directors. They do comedies, dramas, they mm -hmm. got to know everybody. And finding, you know, actors like this guy um, make a huge difference. Actors are the reasons why, I believe, and act, acting is the reason why a movie works or doesn't work. Um, people say directors telling the story through film. It's not really true. You're telling the story through actors. The actor is the conduit of the whole story to the audience. The audience is watching the actors, not watching the director. They do all of it, and they tell the drama, they set the pace, they do everything, and if they're not working, you have a bad movie. Thank you. Thanks, man. You're give welcome. Me a, give me a hug. Mm.
sure. I'm sure. So you show up at your father's door and say you're in trouble, and the first thing he assumes is I'm pregnant. Is there a question in there? I think there's an interesting story in there. I mean, my father thinks I've been a little too cavalier in my personal life. <laughs> I see. Let me ask you something. Have you ever told someone, not a relative, I love you? Yes. More than one someone? Yes. Well, then my father would say you've been a little too cavalier in your personal life, too. This was fun shooting this day. You weren't there. I wasn't. <laughs> Coincidence? But it was very fun shooting this. You know what day we shot this? February 16th, 2003. Nope. Wrong. February 18th. Nope. Two, oh, going. March 4th. Nope. I'm so close I can taste it. But I just, I, I just want to know it's not just something in my head or in my heart. March 7th. Nope. People don't really yes. talk that way, you know? I know, but they think that way. Falling Not in love. This was shot Falling on Halloween 2003. Here I come. Shh. Hey, you get it, right? This is the one scene that everyone always says they love of mine. I really don't get it. You shouldn't tell that to a lot of people. You should own the fact that you knew exactly what you were doing when they thought you were brilliant. See, I, notice I, the goatee's a little darker here. I always know what I'm doing, John. It's partially the lighting, but it's a little more filled in, dude. Well, it's not my doing, buddy. I mean, no, but you can watch stuff like that. What, don't you care? I did think that the hair and makeup department in the movie was great, even though John obviously is hinting that they weren't. I'm just saying you were lazy. I was actually preparing the scene to make your movie good. Here's another moment coming up. What do we do? We need a magnifying glass, and we didn't have one in this scene. We thought, you know what? You can use a water bottle as a magnifying glass, and often nowadays stores sell water at the cash register, right? So let's have some water. Okay, well, let's not get fake water. Let's get a real brand. We'll get Aquafina. What happens? Oh, they sold out. They got money in this, so they stuck Aquafina in the scene. Not true. Did they give you money? No. Did they give you free Aquafina? Mmm, delicious. Yeah, we got free water, I think. But water's kind of free anyway, isn't it? No. Not two all bucks a thing. Not now. with the healthy goodness that Aquafina has and that cool, refreshing smoothness. I'm not going anywhere. I think. But if we look at this clock tower... What was funny is that the Aquafina bottle actually didn't quite time. work. You know, adjust it. But see, try this, kids. You can use a water bottle as a magnifying glass. What time is it now? Did you know that? Almost three. So the next time you're stuck in Urban Outfitters needing a magnifying glass... No, we didn't. Grab that This is your Aquafina. biggest laugh in the movie right here. But you don't know this? I, I know something about history that you don't know. I'd be very excited to learn about it, Riley. Oh, hold on one second. Let me just. I'm just taking this moment. This is. This is cool. Is this how you feel all the time? Because you know, except for now, of course. Riley. All right. Why do you think people laugh so much at that in the theater? Probably because it's so real. Yes. I don't get enough credit for this that. This character is the audience. Because he's, Ben he's, Gates is so fantastic and brilliant. Are you as... saying he's a conduit? Hmm. Yeah. Possibly. He's a surrogate. An audience surrogate? Is that what you're saying? Hmm. Not so sure. Whose idea was that? Me. Hmm. No. Definitely not. 
I remember that Sean and, and this kid got in a huge fight that day. Fist fight? It was really awkward so for crazy. everybody. He What's weird him. is Sean got his butt beat. It was awful. The kid just tore him to shreds, and then I'm, I had to pull the kid off him and say, look, he's going to have bruises, and we can't use him in the next scene. And the kid took the thing that Sean was whittling, and he just threw it to the ground. It was really... <laughs> took him a long time to whittle that. Not true. That wooden bell. Not true. Back in the 18th century, it could have been seen from miles around, which is exactly its purpose, because it served as a beacon, as it were, for people... All right, we're in the Philadelphia, we're in Philadelphia in uh, Independence, Independence Hall. Hall. And that's where we shot this, correct? Yeah, we were actually... Wrong. This, this however, was in, in the actual Hall. Independence Hall. We were the first production to shoot there. Correct. Since... This is the first show to ever shoot in this new Liberty Bell Hall that had just been built. It wasn't open to the public yet, and you folks are looking at the real... Building, but not the real Liberty Bell. They wouldn't let us near it. We had to bring in our own fake Liberty Bell. I actually snuck in after work. Did you took some photos? You're the one who cracked it. Come on. No, actually, that was Paul Revere. There's. <laughs> we are now actually in the tower in Independence Hall in Philadelphia. Oddly enough, this is the one location we thought they will never let us shoot. This was so amazing to be able to shoot there. Standing right up there where they held the lanterns for one if by land, two if by sea. Not true. There it is. Like of all the things that we weren't gonna be allowed to do, we walk along this roof and all of that, we thought there's no chance. But we got to go up there and we were very careful and didn't hurt anything. Other places you think would be easy, not so much. You didn't get to go up there, did you? On the roof? No. Yeah. It's cool. I tried to get up there. Great Sean looks in that Very suit. heroic when he just pushes that thing you know. out. It's tough when you have a really good looking leading man playing a villain. Sometimes the audiences find him to be heroic himself. Well, thank you. Hey, what'd you score? I found this. Some kind of ocular device. The vision to see the treasure past? Let me take this. Oh, they're like early American x-ray specs. Benjamin Franklin invented something like these. Uh, I think he invented these. So what do we do with them? I have a feeling that at this point in our shooting, I got the sense on the set we all gelled sort of for the first time. I believe this uh, day of shooting was the day of our break for Christmas vacation. Indeed. I think Nick got angry at me that day. <laughs> Why would you make this different than any other day? This was here. Why would you make this I didn't say that right the other day. We Nick was mad at you a again. lot. He was not. He got, this is the only time he ever got mad well, at me. Well, he should have been mad at you a lot. I kicked him in the shins. You were always mean to him like you are to me. 
Well, anyone listening to this commentary will obviously hear the truth. You're the mean one. How'd you do that, by the way? Is that just, I know you're going to say CGI, but how did you do it? There's a visual effects company called Asylum in Santa Monica, California. And you look at a lot of art. You try to explain what you want it to look like. And they say, how 3D is it? What? Well, when you move, can you see it move? And I want it to jump off the page a little bit and the colors and how it, what wow. symbols. And they mock they stuff up and they have just brilliant artists who not only can draw it, but then can make it look like it really is on that piece of paper. I love how visual effects companies are always named such cool things like Asylum or Visual Chaos. Because they are cool people. Yeah, they really are. Because they sit in front of computers all day. Uh huh. That was a set, but that was actually a window in the middle of a stage. have them both together. So what do we do? We separate the lock from the key. We're splitting up. So that's part of the magic of editing. I'll take this. Cinematography, production design. Meet me at the car and call me if you have any problems. Like if we get caught and killed? Yeah, that would be a big. See the anger in his eyes right there. That was personal. Mm Hmm. Hmm. Here again, you know, when you're shooting a a big movie with a lot of people in these kinds of historic locations, surprisingly, the the thing they're concerned most about is not that you're going to ruin the location, but that you will be disturbing the public whose maybe vacation is planned around going there. So the only thing we have to do is be really careful and not destroy everyone's ability to enjoy it. Victor, meet me at Fifth and Chestnut. Fifth and Chestnut, they're heading your way. this place this is in um the the market that's great in philadelphia correct it's in the market in philadelphia indoor market this is one of those locations where jerry looked at me and said great market make it look better so you put i learned a lot from jerry on this movie yeah just texture and visuals and all that i just learned so much from him i never worked where the visuals were so important and the action was so important obviously really made a difference previous movies it's true though much more character based Mm. and that's what i try to do here is make this character based i don't know if i succeeded but i knew i wasn't going to be able to compete on a purely action level i don't have Michael Bay's talents, or Ridley yeah, Scott's talents, or Tony Scott's talents, or James Cameron's cool, talents. My man, I saw Cool Runnings. There is some nail-biting action, bobsled yeah. style. Correct. Well put. Well put. And you, should we talk about you? Do all of you out there know how talented Justin Barthay is? That he's not just funny? Did you see maybe one of the best performances overlooked of the year was the kid he played in Geely? <laughs> Seriously. Dripping with sarcasm. Uh, I'm not kidding. See, this is why no one's nice to you, because you can't take a compliment. Because I'm, I'm real modest and you're fake modest. That's not true or is nice. Is it? Now, did you actually shoot a gun in a cemetery? 
No. Huh. Well, that I'm... is actually an old cemetery, and all of those tombstones that we shot at were all fake that we brought in because you really don't want to do anything as disrespectful as shooting up a cemetery. Once you get permission to film in one, uh, you got to really be careful. And so we didn't damage anything that was there, and we brought in our own tombstones to hurt. But it's very exciting, you know, when you're in a historic place like that, and there are graves there that are, you know, two, three hundred years old. Um, it just makes you feel like you're really part of the movie you're making. Yeah. Trapped. What is it? Right there, do? that guy right there in the hat. Your friend you nope. went to high school with. Nick Cage's stand-in. Oh, Marco? Marco. Need, Great guy. Needed a little help? Up we go. This tiny scaffolding was probably my favorite day of shooting. One of my favorite days of shooting. Shooting in that fish freezer was as awesome as it gets, but this, because we're on this tiny scaffolding where there's no room, there was about four people up there total. And it's nice for the director every now and then to not have to be uh, in the middle of a 150-person crew. Um, and again, not to take anything away from the actors at all, but when you watch scenes like this and you're seeing sometimes really dangerous stuff, intercut with all the actors are stunt people. Um, and the actors will be the first to tell you that that's them when they're taking these leaps over buildings. And the stunt people not only have to have the guts and the talent to do these dangerous things, and the skill to not be hurt doing these dangerous things, like that. Well, David is an actual stunt guy also. He does stunts for a lot of movies. He's a premier stunt guy, so yep. he was an actor and stunt guy. This is really me, though, running and bumping into these business people. Right. But I'll tell you... But there's a mix of Diane and their stunt person. I'll tell you where the, where my stunt guy comes in. That's, that's not me, that's Diane. Here's a nice little look, sexy. She's gonna run. Here I go, I'm a hero, I'm a hero, and my stunt guy's a hero. <laughs> but I'm a hero, now I'm a hero there. And that's just fun, that's just what And I would do it, is. by the way, I would do it, but for insurance reasons, the mm -hmm. actors cannot do it. And there's two kinds of stunts. It's the kind that are, uh, just take a level of skill that an actor can't be expected to have, whether it's a rock climbing sword thing, fighting, or sword fighting, and things like that. Or fire eating. Um, Correct. Belly dancing. Belly dancing. And the other is stuff that's dancing. just so dangerous that as silly as it sounds. Right, like flying. And, yeah, or um, shaking your molecules so fast you walk through a wall. Right, mm -hmm. jumping across mountain ranges. Correct, stepping on your tongue. Those kinds of things that you need a stuntman for, literally because if the stuntman gets hurt, you can get a new stuntman. If the actor gets hurt, you got to stop shooting. And it's that cold and callous, but that's also the pride of being a stunt person. You know that that's your job, and they step up and are willing to do that, and they're usually like the best people to work with on a movie. They're just there to get it done and... and the other skill they need, by the way, is they have to study the actor that they're uh, duplicating so that they're picking up their mannerisms and their style so that they can uh, really pull off the, the fake out. You know where that was shot? London. No joke. We went to London for a few days and we picked up a scene in London. Where's the more talented goatee? Mr. Gates, face your father's car and put your hands behind your back, please. You got one in custody. It is amazing that every actor in the movie is so talented. Like every part that you pop, you and Jerry populated the movie with. Much talent. Here's also a little reshoot we did in London, and I'll tell you a funny little story. Myself, uh, I uh, was in New York 
And it's not that didn't, long a scene, didn't, Justin. Didn't realize. Didn't. I was in New York and I didn't realize that we had reshoots in uh, a week or so. Well, this is. And uh, my friends and I were walking. We're, and we're, hey, let's all shave our heads. And I said, yeah. So we go into Astor Place, hair place, and, and I shaved my head. And right when the last strain of hair hit the floor, I hit myself and I said, I got reshoots in a week. So they had to make me a wig. Correct. To match my hair for that one little scene where I'm sitting on the bench. And the end of and the very end of the movie. We are going to get back to In London, yes. That is very true. But the goatee came in nicely. The goatee came in nicely. But you feel better inside. Is there a door that doesn't lead to prison? <laughs> Someone's gotta go to prison, Ben. So what are these for? It's a way to read the map. Right. That you stuff think? happens, you know, when you reshoot. And by the way, the term reshoot's a wrong term. It sounds like you're shooting something over that you shot right. once. It's usually that you, uh, you reserve a little area to say, okay, once we look at the movie, we're gonna see what the missing pieces are in this whole story. You know, when you write a novel, you write it, you sit, you can rewrite it, you rewrite it, you look at it, you see what you got right, and you keep going. In a movie, you get one shot, and there's no way you can get everything right the first time. So you leave a little room to go pick up some stuff you might have missed. But that can be months and months later, and it's not just that actors themselves change their look, but they'll get parts in other movies. And so they'll have to shave a mustache, grow a mustache, cut their hair, and you're constantly doing things like making wigs and little pieces like that. I actually did shave my head because I was meeting for a war movie, and I didn't get that movie. Wow. And that movie was Platoon. Fantastic. Who got the part? Willem Dafoe. Wow. He was good, though, dude. He was really good. Really good. Yeah. It's all right. You would have been good, too. Can't be mad at that. You would have been great. It was while shooting this scene with Sean Bean on the street at that phone that I met Justin on the street for the reshoot and saw that he had shaved his head. And I remember you shaking your head in disgust. That, by the way, is a payphone. That's something that doesn't exist Where's anymore. Where's that? Where is that? That's, that's uh, I believe that's Texas. It's the most beautiful city in this country, I'll tell you that. It's New York and Annie Parise in a helicopter. Hot. This is at the USS Intrepid, which is docked in uh, neat. West side of Manhattan, around the Hudson 46th. River. Notice these background extras staring at Nick Cage? Great work. Those people are paid by us to not look at Nick Cage. Great, great job. When you watch movies, they're going to be pretty depressed when they watch this DVD now. Mm. Yeah, I know. Why did you say that? Um, when you watch movies, you can uh, look for these things a lot. They're there a lot. And it means that you're not enjoying the movie if you're looking at the extras looking at Nick If you're Cage. listening to this commentary, you're not that interested in the movie. So. <laughs> or you've watched the movie way too many times. Good point. You need to go get some sun. Well spoke. It was fun shooting on this aircraft carrier, I have to say. And being in New York. I was not there that day, but I no. was in New York. I wasn't invited to the set. We only invited people with the correct hair. Zing. All these guys, you know, they just pulled this stuff off really well. And there's a lot of confusing dialogue here that, you know, you just 
that's part of the job of an actor is to learn a bunch of words that make no sense whatsoever. What a little interesting tidbits can we share with the, the well, audience? Coming up is a uh, Nick Cage, one of my favorite actors, actually getting into the Hudson River, isn't that correct? Doesn't he actually submerge his head well, as a matter of in fact, the Hudson River? Of yeah, New York? And, and talk about risky. That's probably as risky as it gets. Can't get, I mean, there's the amount of dead bodies and boots in the Hudson River. Limitless. Nick actually came up once with a, an old tire around his. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. Foot. He looked cute. Funny. It was funny. Um, this was looks dangerous, but isn't. These helicopters are right above uh, crowds, and someone said, "Oh, they're only 40 feet, and isn't that dangerous? They should go higher." And we couldn't figure out why, if they're higher and they crash, it'll be less dangerous than if they're lower and they crash. Uh, crashing is, is bad, and this is another thing, that whenever you see a movie and you're seeing these scenes with helicopters, it's because there's an awesome pilot who is extraordinarily talented at putting these helicopters in tiny spots. You know, when you say you need it to hit a mark for a shot, how do you put a set a mark in the middle of the sky? And they manage to find it each time. Now there, that's clearly Nick's stunt guy. That's a guy named Eddie Yancic, maybe one of the greatest guys you'll ever work with, doing the full high fall. The trick to that shot is when you look at the water and you see all that, like right there, we just dumped a bunch of sandbags in the water to make the splash because we couldn't have him actually fully dive in because the Hudson River next to that ship is only five feet deep. It's all mud, and had he done that dive for real, he would have gotten stuck in the mud. So we put him on what's called a descender and a decelerator, and as he falls, it quickly jerks him to a stop like a bungee cord with a break, and so he didn't go too deep into the water. Do you have a visual? Can you see gates in the water? Sir? It's only interesting for people who want to be stunt people or dive in the Hudson. Nick Cage, about to be the danger seeker under the water in the Hudson. There you go. He looks thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> Not fun. I love acting. But what you do also is you put things like Vaseline in your ears to keep the water from getting in too far. Welcome to New Jersey. David Fisher on stage. What'd you do with Abigail and Riley? Hope these fit. We have to get you some. That shot, I put in that guy welding in the background just because that's what you're supposed to do. I don't really know why there's a guy welding. Because they're in Jersey and people weld They do weld a lot in New Jersey. She's the one calling all the shots now. She won't shut up. Love that. You know where I was, uh, when I was born where I lived? Um, Sarasota. Englewood, New Jersey. Oh, that's right. Not where so my far folks from there. Are. Hmm. Who knew? Um, now they're in downtown Manhattan. Or are they? We're not. Nope, downtown LA. Pretending, you just put a picture of the Statue of Liberty behind them, you're in New York. You get a bus that says MTA on it from New York, and suddenly you're in New York. You know what I'm thinking? I don't think I'd even listen to this commentary. Yeah. Hmm, that's the way it goes. Is Riley there? Look at Justin Bartha. Is that your wig? No. That's the wig, dude. Is it? No, it's not. Oh. It's not your wig. When will you point us out a scene where you're wearing your wig? I already did, my friend, on that bench. I couldn't tell. 
tribute makeup and hair people. Well, you figured out the clue. Simple. Here at the wall, Wall Street. You know, I try to think of how it was possible to make movies before there were cell phones. It totally changed the way you had a right. Because no Action longer could a too. character be stuck somewhere or lost. Yeah. You always had to figure out. Right. Now, how do you get around the fact that they can call for help very easily? Or like in the middle of action, like chase sequences, each person, if they had to make a phone call, they'd have to pull over to the side of the road and get to a payphone. Right. It'd be really tense. They'd look at each other from payphone to payphone. Nobody picked up that clue, but that symbol on that flag is Masonic also... Masonic symbol. No, it's, it's actually an Anglican symbol, but it's on uh, the back of the Declaration when they look through the special glasses. Mm. The Declaration of Independence mm. and the Meerschaum pipe. Sean Bean actually whittled that Meerschaum pipe. That's it. Mm. Did he use a knife? He did. He uses a very small pocket knife. Mm. Now where is it? Where's my treasure? Kind of a great guy, Sean Bean. I wouldn't say kind of, I'd say he is a really great guy. Hmm. I'd agree. Who else is a great? Nick is a great guy, I gotta great. say. Fun, uh, funny. He's just a great guy. He's intelligent, he's funny, he's um, good looking. Uh, Sean is great. John Turtletop is great. No. That's okay. The... Uh, this was the first scene I think I'd ever shot in my life with dialogue outside in Manhattan. This is down by Wall Street. It's exciting to shoot in Manhattan. There is a guy, I don't know if I should be saying this, this is a guy named Radio, Radio Man. Radio Man is awesome. This guy uh, lives in New York. He rides around New York on a bicycle with a radio. And anytime a movie is shooting, he shows up. I'm not kidding. You could be in the Bronx, you can be in Brooklyn, you could be in Manhattan. All of a sudden, Radio Man will show up. And next thing you know, he's in the movie somehow and being paid as an extra. On National Treasure Book of Secrets, we were shooting in Washington, D.C. I look up, and who's on the set? Radio Man had, I think, ridden his bike from New York to Washington. And when we shot in South Dakota, I was sure we were going to find him there, but he just couldn't get out there. He had to stop for D batteries like 10 times. For his boombox? Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, why don't you ask Dr. Anyway, a lot of fun. Good guy. And something everybody in the New York movie business, and he's someone everyone knows. Radio Man and the Naked Cowboy. Yeah. Beautiful church. Not Trinity Church. Pretendo Trinity Church. I'm a hostage. Sit down. Sit down. Let him go, Ian. But look how beautiful this is. Mm. Caleb Deschanel was the cinematographer on the movie. Um, Academy Awards for uh, the right stuff. Uh, nominations for right stuff, for shooting. Passion of the Christ. Correct. Uh, being there. Being. He didn't shoot being there, did he? Sure, he did. Wow, it's one of my yeah. favorites. Natural. That's right. I did talk to him about that. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, just brings that ab that ability to uh, use light to just create mood and and just make places even look bigger or smaller, whatever it is. And uh, it's extraordinary looking. If you just freeze a frame and look at it, it's just beautiful photography. The catch is to do that and still realize the audience is really telling, uh, is watching the actors and listening to the words. See, there's a symbol that was on the flag. It really does elevate the filmmaking to another level, don't you think? Yep. That little flag or Caleb? Caleb. Yeah. And that flag. That's, uh, 
really cool. It's, it's really quite something. It's... Now here you have actors doing all of this while staring at a blank piece of paper and being told, move these colored discs around and act like this is real and that it's not the most awkward thing you've ever done. And you know what? You just have to pretend and commit that it's real and not pay any attention to being embarrassed. How do we do it? How do we do it, John? I am going to ask you, how do you do it? Are there stuff that feels really lame that you do? Half the things I do feel really lame, and from what I hear from people on the street, they look really lame, too. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, look at that Oleg pushing me, see? It's a little improv, him just hurting me. <laughs> I noticed you really fought back. Well, I mean, he's killed a dozen people. What am I gonna do? I've only killed four. Look. We have a big moment coming up here. How did you prepare for this scene? Well, I remember having I don't know what moment you're talking about. Big scary tunnel. Oh, right. This is, uh, this is in the original trailer for the film. Was this a line that you liked or a line that you didn't like? Which one? The, the tunnel? Who's going to go down the creepy tunnel first? I think I liked it. Hey, party, I, I found it. Are there times you, when you just hate a line and you've got to say it? I'll tell you what line. I, I'll tell you what line. No, absolutely not. Come on, I'll tell you what line that uh, I didn't like. That is in the beginning of the movie, and that we did here that it got cut out was the shoelace line that makes no sense in the beginning of the movie, where I say my shoelace is untied. It's bad luck. Bad luck. And it was supposed to be a, uh, for, you know, this is supposed to be a callback, a runner, to this scene where we're gonna go inside and my shoelace is untied. That cuts. No sense, no. Untied your shoelace broke. It broke the shoelace. Broke, and, yeah, yeah. Same thing. But we cut it out of this scene, but left it in the first right. scene. Right. Oops. Oopsie. Okay. Who wants to go down the creepy tunnel inside the tomb first? <laughs> You're so good. <laughs> I You stay here. But what you did a good job of is saying the thing the audience was thinking. And, uh... Use your imagination. It's just... It was the writers. It's all the writers, man. Shall we? I just show up, put on my clothes, try to get my goatee right, and say the lines. It's been working. It has. What would you say is your uh, worst choice you've made as an actor? Um, probably doing this DVD commentary. <laughs> it's pretty much just been... It's been hell. Horrible. I've had fun doing it with you. I know, you've just been making fun of me all the I'm time. not making fun of you, I'm no. making fun with you. Sure, that's what you tell yourself. You know, I feel guilty afterwards. Hmm. Are you a national treasure of the Book of Secrets? Uh, I, well. Yes, you I are. Hope so. Do you want to be in the sequel to that? Uh, we'll see. Well, why don't you just watch your tone, young man? I'm sorry, sir. By that movie, you're gonna be so big, I'm gonna have to ask you to, oh, awkward, uncomfortable moment. Kissing scenes, Talk by about the way, that kiss, by how the bad way. are they to shoot? Aren't they awkward? I like them. Oh. Uh, I've kissed a few ladies on screen before, and let's just say, it's most of the ladies I've kissed in my life. <laughs> um, so talk to me about the the kissing scene. Tell me tell me about. Were you nervous before they had to kiss? You know what? Did you talk about it? You do, and you no talk about tongue. what kind of kiss right. is it? 
where are they in their relationship? What kind of kiss is this? Right. What is the kiss for? Is it just because I like you or am I trying to say something with this kiss? Kisses are really important. Right. Also, the context, it should be an open mouth, yucky kiss, right. and all that Which stuff. Which you can't do. Can't. You can't do, and it's now, not. Did you? Did you? Why did you have Diane practice with you before the scene? Do you usually do because that? Because Nick on... had practiced with me for, a while, and I didn't right. want her to feel bad. Oh, I see. And all that. Plus, Nick kept. You know, Nick has very soft lips. Mm. He's got those, you know, full Italian lips. Diane is more Germanic, so it's a stronger lip. Germanic want... or dramatic? Both. Okay. Both. Is it hard working with fire? Uh, as a matter of fact, it's dangerous working with fire, and... Didn't you direct Backdraft? I did. Um, I also, uh, directed a movie called Firestarter with, uh, mm, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. And, um, I also directed that scene in, uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, where they make fire. Mm. These actors are holding torches of fire. If these torches, look at that. Look how close to their faces it is. But that's a set, isn't it? I mean, that what you do is there's a blue screen where that black hole is. Yes, but that's not do with fire. It, and then, well, the difference is that people have extinguishers nearby. That's true. We have the entire Los Angeles Fire Department. There's many people standing by at all times. There's a lot of rules, and it gets to be annoying, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of standers by. Now, this is the great, greatest piece of stuntman doubling ever. Whoa. And gone. The first... Oh, no. What's amazing is it is a bottomless pit, so he's kind of still falling to this day. None of us have spoken to him since we shot this, but <laughs> we know he didn't get hurt because it's bottomless. Yeah, he just doesn't hit it. He just keeps falling. It's an eternity of falling. Was it fun shooting this kind of crazy stunt stuff, even though none I had of it's a great you? time. What do you mean none of it's me? A lot of this is me, actually. Most that's of true. it's me. That's you. That's you. Stuntman. That's you. That's me. That's you. me. 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 With a wig on. Stuntman. Fire. Wait, You're the fire. I love, I love shooting stunts, because I'm great. a very physical person. <laughs> you know. Sorry. You know that. <laughs> this is also how much trust you have to put in the people who build these extraordinary well, listen, sets. This is what well, the amazing thing about movies is uh, is that pretty much you get the best of everyone that you know of that field works on these movies. I mean, they are amazing craftsmen and safety people. And had you ever done a movie like this before? Uh, I w played short round in Indiana Jones. You were so good. Mm -hmm. Well, that, I had seen you in that, and that's mm -hmm. what made me want to use. I didn't think you'd say yes because it's kind of the same part, right? You know, but okay. I also played the sidekick in the new Die Hard movie. Hmm. I also played the sidekick in Sahara. That was great. Right. Also, weren't you the funny little kitten in Pinocchio? Uh, no, I actually played Pinocchio. Really? Mm-hmm. A real life boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never done a movie like this before, and if I had made a movie this size with this kind of stuff, these massive sets and huge things falling, and look at the size of these places. With, if I had done this without Jerry Bruckheimer and his producers, I never could have even dreamt of handling it. It is massive. When I was doing, when I was, you know, making a romantic comedy, it always bugged me that I'd make a two-hour movie and an action director would make a two-hour movie, and those action directors always made a ton more money. 
Having done an action movie, I see why they were getting paid more than I was. This stuff is massive. Huge. And there's danger and safety and planning and all that stuff that uh, I never knew how to get handled. Yeah, plus, you have to make actors' faces smudgy. All that money for you. More valuable to me than shows. We go on. Mostly. Me too. How much money do you have? Uh, I have at least a thousand dollars. Really? Mm -hmm. well, by the time this sequel is done and all that, you'll have like five. You can probably buy anything you want. Well, unfortunately, agents and managers. me drinking. And that's Nick learning how to make that knot really quickly. <laughs> it was really complicated. Um, but here again, See people that? catch on fire very easily. You had to be really careful. By this point of shooting, we were all completely exhausted and had no idea if the movie we were making was working. But you get to a point where everyone is so freaked out and tired of worrying that we just go and do whatever we're told. And you just commit and hope that it all will make sense. That when we walk into this big round room and look for a way to turn a secret knob or we say, uh, here's a fake clue that the audience is going to buy it. And uh, I think we got really lucky and we just made a lot of good guesses. I, uh, you know what? What is this? I think that... Uh... All right. The writers, the writers. They, <laughs> the writers. It's true. It is true. They it's figured the it out. Yeah. This is it? But you do do a lot of second guessing. We were second guessing as we were writing it. Yes. Well, that's another testament to Jerry is that that's the thing where you, where you go to, you know, after shooting for a while and you're not sure exactly what you're doing. And at a certain point, if you feel unsure, just like you said before, Jerry is not going to let the movie come out if he doesn't feel like it is the best movie possible. That's true. So you and always you trust kind of him have, when he yeah, says it you is. You always have that kind of thing to fall back on. It's like, you know what? No. It just so happened that you did a great job, Turtle. Thanks, dude. Okay, go. And here again, you know, you're, you're dealing with... All this historical clues and historical mumbo-jumbo and hoping the audience is following what you're saying and they're going to trust you and go with you. And look, a lot of people don't. You know, hopefully it's not the people watching this because if you hated this movie, what are you doing buying the DVD? <laughs> but uh, the fact is a lot of people don't like it and it's the way it goes. You can't help it. You do the best you can. Well, Everybody people works buy the DVD just to watch me. They don't like the movie, but they want to just watch me, see what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can't blame them for that. I guess I count as a lot of people. Because I love watching you. Although I've never seen you in anything except these two movies. Thanks, that's weird, because you and just Gilly. before said that, you know, and good save. No, you're good. You you were that special kid in Geely. You're saying that five times. Geely. I haven't gotten enough Geely. guff from that from my life. Guff, you were great in that movie. Did you meet Ben Affleck? No. Well, we only worked against Green Screen. Mm -hmm. Say that joke again. <laughs> no, only worked against. Only worked against. <laughs> Let me out of this room. Terrific. By land two, by sea, one lantern under the winding staircase of the steeple. That's where we have to look. Void is so good, and I mean, he's good in everything, but he's so good in the scene. With you. Why? So you can escape. I mean, this is one of those scenes where the actors have to be playing characters who are acting. Right. 
and the question comes up. I remember Nick saying do to we me, "Play it for real? Yeah, or is, do you play it for jokes? Is my character a good actor or a bad actor? And are we trying to fool this character or let him know we're acting?" And it gets down to that kind of stuff. And as the director, you sit there having no idea what the correct answer is, but just trying to sound like you know what you're doing and you're in charge. So you I just remember at one point he goes, is my character as bad as an, of an actor as Justin <laughs> is in real life? And I was like, wait, why did he use me as an example? But I was just thrilled that he knew my name. <clears throat> did he? He called me Jason a lot, just like everyone else. What was that? Everyone calls me Jason. It's the weirdest thing. I'm not kidding. Justin Bartha starred in this movie, and every single person thought his name was Jason. <laughs> Kept calling him Jason. It's because I leave such an indelible impression on people. You're kind of like a Jason, though. Nobody's gonna die. No, thank you. I know a few Jasons, and let's just say there are no Justins. <laughs> Again, special effects. And this, I, I'm just gonna jump in, I thought was one of the great pieces of writing that Ted and uh, Terry, Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott came up with, which was when they finally, at the end of a big treasure hunt, opened the big magic secret door, and they finally go in the room, and it's empty. And the fact that the characters go through this experience of what if they don't find the treasure and have to come to terms with what it would mean to not find it, is what legitimizes finding it. And it, the goal and the trick for the cast, the writers, and for me, I knew as a director, is that we had to do this scene and really play it as if we have no idea that in the next scene they're gonna find the treasure. And the, the trick was to ask Trevor Rabin, the composer, to write the music as if this truly were the last scene in the film. To write it and sell the audience on the fact that they don't find it. And only by sort of putting those blinders on could we all just commit to shooting it and editing it like a final scene. Aren't we great? No, I wasn't right. This room is real, Ben. Speaking of editing, Billy Goldenberg is the editor. He had been uh, nominated for Academy Awards for uh, the Michael Mann movie, The Insider, and uh, a movie called Seabiscuit, which, uh, was also nominated for Academy Award, and uh, cut this movie, and it also cut the sequel, National Treasure Book of Secrets, um, along with a guy named David Rennie. And the editors on a movie really become writers. Once you're into the post-production part of it, editors are changing dialogue around, moving scenes around, and focused not on just cutting the movie and shot to shot, but telling a story. And what's the best story they can tell with the material they have? Um, and that's what editors do. That's the, that is what the job is. Um, and that's why you work so closely with them, because it's all about just telling the story. And here, they're cutting to tell the story. Okay. Convince us that these characters have really changed, they've really learned something, and they really believe there's no treasure. We're still trapped down here. And also, look how beautiful this is shot. It's not easy to light with flame. You don't know exactly how much light a flame is gonna give off, how, you know, the flames change their intensity constantly. Not easy, and uh, Caleb was just remarkable. And it's helped to have a gorgeous set. People spend not just hours building, but covering in fake spider webs and dirt. It's just a shame that they don't have a great, like, dirty hand. If there was a great, oh, there's a dirty hand. 
Hmm. Whose hand is that? Wait a second. Is that your hand? That now? is my hand. I Look love at this. that hand. Oh, yeah. Nick is great. Academy Award, leaving Las Vegas. Those are not my hands because they're attached to this face. But every now and then you go, uh-oh, I forgot to get a shot. Uh-oh, Watch Nick this. went home. This little, this little trinket that Sean Bean had whittled the entire movie ended up being the secret to finding national click treasure. With a great hand done exactly the way Nick would have done it. That's my job. Thank you. I just opened that door. Your handwork is in extraordinary. I wonder if there's ever been like a compilation of commentaries and DVDs of directors talking about all you know the times they've used their hands. I bet uh, it's fascinating. I hope not. I was always so scared that that fire would just kind of go right into my face. Yeah. Which had happened a few times. Yeah. I had to get so many skin grafts. But you did it. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the camera. No matter how big we made this room, and no matter how much treasure we put in it, Jerry kept saying, it needs more, needs more, needs more. That's because the treasure room in his his house is so much bigger. Uh, and I kept saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. He wasn't wrong, he was right. After two hours of a movie, the audience wants this. It's called National Treasure. They better see something pretty great. Like um, a big blue-green man? Yes. A goatee? Mm-hmm. Did you make that up? No. Yes, you did. I did? Yes. I made it up. I did, didn't I? Yeah, because the writers couldn't have known that the and set look at people... that. That's like the That's from the of beginning the of the movie. Yeah. In the a lot of, a lot of bookends in this movie. That's because we pay attention. Think we make it up as we go? I'm guessing that's significant. What's significant is that you comment on his goatee. Mm -hmm. That's the connection. Just like we've been doing in this commentary. See how we bookend the commentary Beautiful. also? This is something that's in the sequel where he lights uh, a bunch of oil. And I don't know if anyone bought it in the first movie, but... They're going to have to deal with it again in the second one because we ran out of ideas of how to light deep, dark inside spaces that have treasure in them. I'll tell you, it's really cool. It is cool. And fire it's is so cool. how you would have cool. done it. Halfway through that shot, half that shot is real fire and half that shot is computer-generated fire. They just do seamless work. And the goal isn't to say, look, look how cool the special effects are. Usually movies suck when they do that. Movies where you don't realize it's special effects is really where it works, and I think audiences appreciate that. Except for cool audiences. I'll tell you what's not special effects. This tear that's gonna come out of my eye soon. Look at Justin. Look at the crying he did. That's real acting, folks. Look. Stairs. I have to take my contacts out for that one. And then rub them in your eye to make you watery. No, I don't do that. Fantastic. Your high school gym teacher. <laughs> no, he's in uh, uh, While You Were Sleeping. He he's phenomenal in While You Were Sleeping, and he's really phenomenal in Instinct. He's just an extraordinary mm. actor. Uh, Thomas Q. Morris. Great, this commentary has just become a 
all about us. Pretty much you. You know, we should start over and do and talk more about us. Because all I do is we're probably the only people ever hear it. Declaration of Independence is not a bargaining chip. I sort of regret Nick's hair. That was my choice to have his hair super messy because we shot it before we shot the scene where he's under, and I didn't know how messy it would be. And I think I made it too messy, and I blame myself. Although now all I've done is call attention to it. It's about five stories beneath your shoes. That's the way it goes. Hmm. You know, the Templars and the Freemasons believed that the treasure was too great. What would you say is more fun? Doing uh, an ensemble movie or a movie where you're the star? Such lengths to keep it hidden. Well, I'm an incredibly vain and narcissistic person, so I would probably say where I'm the star, working with animals or not other human beings, just so everyone just looks at me. Hmm. It's more fun or just more satisfying? It's just more satisfying when you don't have to deal with people. I'm not much of a people person, as you know. So. Hmm. Don't disagree. I gotta say, an ensemble is a lot of fun to do. It really is. This this movie in particular it was just a blast. I mean, I almost felt guilty that it was so much fun because of the am amount of money that you get paid, John. Hmm. Um, but I don't get to be part of that fun ensemble. Well, you do. We include you. You have your little conversations. But for me, it's like, you know, I look at this movie and it feels like a the back of a Highlights magazine but doesn't belong because you have all these great, amazing actors and then you just have... A little Bartha hanging out, yeah. and uh, it's 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 just a joy to go to work every day. One day you're working with Nick and Harvey. One day you're working with John Voight, and the new one Helen Mirren, Ed Harris. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. The uh, the thing is, if you really feel that way, which you do for a little bit, but if you really get caught up in that, caught up in what? In oh my goodness, I'm working with these big stars. Well, I never think oh my you god. Can't. Well, that's what's interesting is you ha you oh, feel that way on that. your it's way. It's just fun. It's just yeah. it's just fun. And I then you have to enjoy it or else you can't do the job. I'd much rather work with them than you know me, you. Mm. This is Boston. No, it's not. I like this score. This little boop boop a doop beep boop a beep. Good. You're gonna hear a lot of it in the next. Look at someone's wearing a wig. That's a wig. What's worse, the wig or the black velvet jacket? Exhibit. They're sending a private jet. That's fun. Yeah, big whoop. Whole fleet of private jets. Ten percent, Ben. They offered you ten percent, you turn it down. Riley, we've been over this. It was too much. I couldn't accept it. I actually still have this splinter that's been festering for three months. Old piece of wood. Okay, I'll tell you what. The next time we find a treasure that redefines history for all mankind, you make the call in the finder's fee. It's not as funny. What do you care? You got the girl. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and that didn't count as a kissing scene for some reason. Rub it in. Enjoy your spoils. Watch this little Why move. On 1%. Look at that. Star athlete high school. One Done, son. Half of 1%, actually. Mm. 1%. That does look like a wig a little there. Oh, you wouldn't know if you didn't know. For the record, Ben, I like Sounds like you have a cold. You know, I chose this estate because in 1812, Charles Carroll yeah, met... someone that did something in Yeah, you had a cold that day, I remember. <laughs> now, this is a house in America, but we actually house. shot this in <laughs> London. Look how gorgeous that house is. Oh, gears grinding. Sounds good. Nope. It wasn't in the scene either. John Turtletop. Um... 
Beautiful house. And then for the sequel, we couldn't go back to London just to shoot the house, so the house you'll notice is different. Give us a break, people. God. That's right, the house was different, huh? Beautiful house. Well, I guess and that's... that's uh, Thanks for letting us... Uh, that's the movie. ...lab our way through this. You know, we're, we're I'm John Turtletaub. And I am Justin Bartha. And uh, thanks so much for uh, not pirating this and for not illegally downloading it. What are these uh, symbols over the credits? You're looking at... Is that the Declar are, you, are we actually inside the Declaration of Independence right now? These are the Declaration of Independence. And the fibers? Fi following through their inner world. This is designed by a man named Bob Dawson, who does movie Let's credits. talk about Christina Steinberg. Oh, sweetheart. Christina Steinberg is Producer great. of the movie. Uh, Barry Waldman, another great producer, uh, worked on the movie. Christina went on. She produced the, movie, the B movie with Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, terrific. Norse is the production designer who sadly passed away, and all those amazing sets are from him. Um, if you know what ACE stands for, let me know. I don't know. They make me... All these people are just so talented, and it was such a pleasure to work with them. Yeah. And nice. Yeah, they are great. Nice, but definitely, I'm probably the least nice. That's true. That's true. Um, and uh, and then... I don't know who that is. That's the uh, music supervisor. Oh, okay, who, I never met him at all. Yeah, time. it's okay. Um, he likes you very much, but oh. I'll be telling him this. Look, we're going around the other side. Oh, my God. Because that's where the secret map is. That's action in itself right there. You can act, you're such a good director that you make action in a credit sequence with words. Thank you. Thank you very much. But I didn't do it. It's Bob Dawson and the great music of Trevor Rabin, who actually scores credits. Mm. You know, we're not going to talk through the whole credits because no one's going to watch all of this. But these credits go on, I think, for 41 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so you should watch all of that. Uh, it's one of the things with movies. Are, credits are getting longer and longer. It's a big issue. And I think... Uh, it's rough because you want to give everybody who worked on the movie deserves to have a credit. Now we're just running out of things to talk about. Do you no, think we'll dude, do this again we did, for the? Uh, dude, we ran out of things to talk about about an hour ago. That's true. Do you think we'll do this again for National Treasure Book of Secrets? Uh, or as I like to say, National Treasure Book of Secrets. <laughs> I w I would hope so, just because it would mean you and I get to see each other again. That's true. I haven't seen you in a while. It's like comments you'd make on Tattletales. <laughs> hmm. Look how expensive even this is. Oh, happiness. It's right above the word happiness. It's true, because it creates happiness. I know. Did you get higher billing in the second movie? Uh, probably not. I don't I really get so. much of anything ever. I think that stuff was all predetermined. Look, Thomas Jefferson's signature. Ron Canada is a great character actor, by the way. Fantastic. He's done a lot of great movies. I think Michael Mann movies, I think. Yep. And notice how tiny and small these are. It's just to try to get all these names through. But these are the people who just work absolutely endlessly. And uh, they get absolutely no credit whatsoever except here. In this tiny little credits. Should we uh, just wrap it? Should we give a little hint of what's happening in the second one? I'll tell you this. I don't really have much of a goatee in the second one. That my is hair true. is a lot shorter. And no wig. No wig. And there is, what kind of secrets can we uh, share with people? There's a book. And it has secrets in it. That's about it. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And if you want to watch this again, or if you want to call, um, Justin's number in L.A. is 310 555 Four two one five. 
You gave a movie number. It said <laughs> five five five. Fake out. Thanks everybody, and now Justin and I are gonna go uh, probably fight. Thank you for listening to Commentary. If you like the show, tell your friends. We think there's a lot to be learned from these recordings. Home video commentaries are insightful works that are becoming less and less accessible to viewers and should be preserved and shared. Commentary collects and presents classic and contemporary DVD commentaries in podcast form, so you can listen to them wherever and whenever you want. This podcast was created as a public service for educational purposes and is not monetized. Thank you for listening to the show.